Howdy friends, welcome to another episode of Escaping the Cave. It used to be the Toddzilla X-Pod. It's over at escapingthecave.com. Have a Substack site, have Twitter. <laughs> have a Facebook page too. As I uh, like to tell you, fuck Twitter. <laughs> Thank God I didn't have a parlor account. No more on that coming. Hi. How are you? How's your week? How's your 2021 starting out, friends? Record date on this is January the 11th, 2021. It's a very early Monday morning. I have been releasing these on Mondays lately. Well, as I've been recording them, they've typically been released on a Monday. <sighs> and I should warn you, as I sit here at 3.58 a.m. Eastern Time, <laughs> I've had a little rum today. Yeah. I don't usually do I Very, very little. I mixed probably just, just like a, a little dab in a cup of coffee. Uh, when I came in to sit down to start putting this uh, crap together today. The last week, the last five days, has been, I don't know what's the, what, what is the word? What, what word would you use? Five days now, after Trump's rebellion in Washington, D.C., after the president of the United States incited a mob, sent them to the Capitol, and then he sits in the White House and watches them. Storm the Capitol, <laughs> going to look for Nancy Pelosi and, and, and uh, Vice President Pence to hang him. Hang Mike Pence. Hang Mike Pence. I don't know where to go with this today. That's why, that's why I went and got the rum. Because <laughs> I'm afraid of this podcast right now. As I was watching all this unfold last Wednesday, I did this podcast last week. You might have picked up on it if you listened to it. If you haven't, go listen to it. Whatever, I don't care. Uh, but what I said, well, I was I was giving off these the, this aroma, I suppose, uh, that I was a man who was concerned that he had read his tea leaves wrong. Not a lot had been happening in December, and I'm like, last week, I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe we got out of this because, you know, uh, Biden won by 7 million votes. Maybe it was a big enough landslide that we would avoid all of the stuff that I've been talking about that was going to hit after this election. I've been talking about this for, for three years. And last week, it's like, oh, man, we missed this? How did I read this so improperly? I mean, yeah, it wasn't exactly a peaceful transition. Wasn't sure as hell wasn't a smooth transition, but there wasn't any, you know, real violence leading up to this. Leading up to the inaugurations. No, no post-election violence. That's what I thought was gonna happen. I've said this as much. I've said as much about this. Didn't know how it was gonna look. I don't really have a crystal ball. Just, you know, this is how I saw things playing out. And I was worried. A little bit, okay, not really worried. I mean, I was thankful that it wasn't happening, but I was kind of like, okay, how did I miss this? And it came through in the podcast last week. And then Wednesday comes. <laughs> well, there it is. 
you know, like I said, I didn't have the details. I didn't have the foresight. I don't know, soothsaying this to really understand how it would all look. But there it was. I was under the assumption it would be more like a conflict, like we'd have that mob that we saw storm of the Capitol last week colliding with the BLN mobs that we saw rioting in the streets all of last summer. That's what I thought it was going to look like. Sorry. I sure as hell didn't see. <laughs> Why would you? I guess maybe in retrospect, maybe we could have expected him to do something down this line. But how, how do you expect the president of the United States to incite a mob down Pennsylvania Avenue to the uh, Capitol? Where they're counting, not even casting, they're counting the Electoral College votes. How do you predict that? How do you see that coming? It never even entered my mind. I, I was watching this rally going on. He sounded like Alex Jones to me. But it was ridiculous. I'm like, this is crazy. This guy's nuts. Yeah, whatever. Heard this story before. Been hearing it for two months. Well, I just stole it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch the channel. I come back uh, maybe an hour later and boom, there it is. But how do you see that coming? Did you see it coming? Did you see him inciting a riot, inciting an insurrection? And, you know, I kind of twinged or twitched a little bit the first couple of times I heard him use that phrase, the insurrection phrase. It's accurate. They were trying to stop the government from functioning. That's exactly what they were trying to do. They thought that if they stopped that, they could stop the election or they could overturn the election. Of course, it's ridiculous, but they were lied to. Path to empathy, I've talked about it a million times. It's definitely here. Definitely here. Uh, I'm not seeing it very clearly today. I don't know how much I'll talk about it. But that's what it was. It was an insurrection. You go look up the definition of sedition. Impeding government, trying to stop government, working against your own government. Seditious. This is where we are now. This is where we are. They're talking about impeachment. They're talking about invoking the 25th Amendment. We've been hearing about this. It's been one of those things, you know, the 25th Amendment. You've always, I guess we've heard more about this. I mean, we've all gotten a huge civics lesson in the last four years of Donald Trump in office, but we've been hearing a lot more about the 25th Amendment. And apparently Pence is, you know, keeping it on the table since he and his family were being stalked by a mob incited by his boss in the Capitol, he's decided, hmm, yeah, maybe he is a little nutty. Maybe I should keep this, this, this little uh, piece of leverage I have in place in case he wants to go nuts again. But a second impeachment? I didn't know that they could impeach a man after he had left office. I didn't know that. Indeed, they can. Did you know? We are learning a lot about our government these days. But I, I got to tell you, all of this falls right in my supple, finely toned lap. Everything that we have seen over the course of the last week is a byproduct of the material that I have been talking about on this podcast for the last two or three years. I heard so many people talking this week about how these Republicans lied to their base, lied to their, their constituents, 
and how they should have just told him the truth after the election. All these self-righteous commentators and pundits that I've seen on the uh, cable news shows. I keep thinking back to that Media 101 podcast I've done because you're doing kind of a version of the same fucking thing. You're giving people the product they want to hear to keep them here so they're, they, they're watching your commercial. I've talked about it a million times. The politicians, mostly in the House, a few in the Senate, like Josh Hawley, they're doing the same thing. They know their constituents want to hear this. They know that their constituents might primary them if they don't support their president unquestioningly, passionately, fanatically. If you're a fanatic, are you going to accept anything less from your representative than fanaticism? They are afraid of the base. They are afraid of the mob. A few of them, I'm sure, are just exploiting it, just taking advantage of it. Can you imagine a version of that mob showing up maybe at the state house? Oh, we're going to see some of that. Probably got more on that coming today, I hope. I remember to get to it. Uh, what is it? Uh, next Sunday. The chatter all over the right-wing media, social media sites, talking about next Sunday, 17th. But imagine these politicians, these representatives, pissing the mob off and having a local version of that happen if they told them the truth. Did you see what happened to Lindsey Graham walking through the airport? He didn't even, he, he went as far as to come back after he was huddled away, after the mob came into the Capitol and they had to take him through the tunnels goes to leave D.C. I think he's walking through Reagan International and a little mini-mob harasses him through the airport calling him a traitor. Mitt Romney endured something similar on a flight from Utah to D.C. And you're, you're asking, you're condemning, or you're chastising? There are so many elements. This is why I'm afraid to do this podcast today. Because there are so many elements of just hypocritical batshittery. Blind spots. I can't, I have a very, very low tolerance for these talking heads. They're going on to just tell them the truth. When you're selling, you're, you're doing the same thing. You're afraid to piss off your viewership. You're giving them a line of thought, an ideological line, an ideological product that they want to keep them in front of the television screen so they watch the advertising. You are just as afraid of your viewership base leaving as these politicians are. Tribalism isn't just a political thing. It doesn't just exist in politics, in the halls, in the chambers. Of, uh. Warning, the system has become un un unstable. This meditation can reduce stressful situations whenever you want to feel calm. When, the, when somebody's being bitchy or whatever. Say to yourself, I am calm. And fuck you, I am calm. I am at peace. I got your peace right here. Take a deep breath. Feel the warmth and the peace of the light resting in you whenever you need to feel calm. Excuse him. Did you get any on you? <laughs> Sorry.
I think I'm going to have to stick to my notes today. And what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to go through these relatively quick, relatively fast, sort of uh, maybe rapid fire style. And this is some of the things that I wrote down on Wednesday as I was sitting on the couch watching this happen. And the very first thing that I wrote was that uh, the religious mind, faith, faith before facts, the need to believe something. The need to believe in Donald Trump. The need to believe the narrative. Get used to that word. It's the new N-word. Narrative. This is a major theme here. Narratives. It's going to become a bigger theme on the show, especially now. That's exactly what it is. It's a doctrine. It's a need to believe a narrative. A line of thought. It falls into that thing I got from Jonathan Haidt. Can I believe this? Is this something I will allow myself to believe the people that we saw in Washington, D.C., storming the Capitol last week, have given themselves permission to believe a certain narrative, a certain story? And they believe it with all their heart. As stupid as it may seem to you, those people believe the narrative. It is a religious mind. Faith before facts. And this is not something that is ideologically specific. Woke Flake. With your God of cosmic justice. Something else I wrote down. Were these rioters or were these protesters? This was before, I think, insurrectionists and domestic terrorists became all the rage. I was trying to figure out if they got to call them rioters or protesters. And then I used the language they were using early on last week and compared it to last summer. Were they rioters or protesters as they were setting fire to businesses in downtown Grand Rapids right up the road from here last summer? Were they protesters or were they rioters? If these folks were downtown in D.C., maybe on K Street, and setting fire to a business... Would Jake Tapper have been calling them domestic terrorists as opposed to the... See, this is... The comparisons with BLM and those protests and those riots that were going on last summer are enraging. I'm hearing people whine and complain about how the parks police was protecting the Lincoln Memorial last summer. When BLM was in town, I'm, I'm curious, was this before or after all of the protesters were defacing and destroying monuments all around the country? Do you think that maybe they had a reason to protect that specific place in D.C.? Hmm? A monument in Washington, D.C. This isn't a statue of uh, Ulysses S. Grant or Jefferson Davis. This is the Lincoln fucking memorial. After a summer of watching BLM protesters, Antifa, anarchists, running all over the country, destroying monuments to presidents, Jefferson, Washington, who else, whoever else, they had priors. You know what I'm saying? Now, by comparison, 
I'm going to say it out loud. I know I have the images of everything that happened last Wednesday in my head, just like you do. But by comparison, the protesters, the right wing nut jobs, they have been pretty peaceful. Compared to the shit we saw in the streets last summer, infinitely more peaceful up until and before last Wednesday. They were taking their guns, weaponry, inside the state capitol here in Michigan. Nothing happened. No incidents. Do you remember the big protest they had, the big Second Amendment protest in Virginia a little less than a year ago? They were all worried that something like what happened Wednesday was going to happen in Virginia a year ago, but nothing did. But oh my God, if these were BLM protesters, you would have had the National Guard. Yeah, of course they would have because of the images in the streets last summer. You're acting like it's apples and apples. It ain't. Or it wasn't. I should say now... Now they have priors. Now the right-wing nut jobs have priors, too. Have you seen the efforts that are going in to secure the Capitol prior to Biden's inauguration? Again, I have to be careful here because the tribalistic buffoonery and seeing things the way that we just want to see them and painting these pictures, painting circumstances... After the fact. Again, this comes back to narratives. I'm telling you, this is going to be... A, I can't do this right now. I can't. I, gotta, I, have to, I have to draw this up. But it is narratives. Agitation. Likeability. Making you hate somebody so you will believe anything I want you to believe about them. And vice versa. Making you love someone so much that you will believe anything they say. Yet you're a reasonable species. It didn't take long for Jake Tapper, this guy, to start calling these people domestic terrorists. I sort of chafed at that at first, considering we didn't call those people last summer terrorists. They were burning up cities, setting cities on fire. Minneapolis, were they terrorists in Minneapolis? Hmm? Until I started hearing about the pipe bombs, napalm, Molotov cocktails. You know, you're putting pipe bombs outside of the DNC and the RNC. Yeah, you kind of earned the label. Nothing went off. I'm, I'm kind of curious about that, too. Why didn't anything go off? Were these people just really shitty bomb makers? Or was that a warning? Like, we could have. We didn't. We could have, though. The only firearm death with from this group, with this group storming the Capitol, the only firearm death was one of them? That seems a little odd. Out of character. I wouldn't expect that. Taking the stereotype of these folks... And everything we saw at the state capitals, I was just talking about that. See, everything we saw last year, the, the, the one firearm death was one of their own. They didn't shoot anybody. But with the bombs and napalm, <laughs> homemade napalm. Wow. But anyway, the, the domestic terrorist thing started to catch on. And, and I was interested by Jake Tapper's uh, sort of definition, committing acts of violence in the name of a political ideology. And it got me wondering, okay, well, if you're committing acts of violence in the name of a political ideology, where do you put Antifa and BLM then? Are they domestic terrorists? If they're doing this, if they're burning up cities, that's an act of violence, right? They're beating people in the streets of Portland. That's an act of violence. And here's another comparison for you. What about Seattle last year? Storming and taking over a police precinct and setting up an entire autonomous zone 
to the deference of law enforcement last year. Is there a huge marked difference between storming a police precinct and occupying an entire section, an entire neighborhood, or part of a neighborhood of a, of a major U.S. city or storming the U.S. Capitol? What about that? Hmm. Interesting. And I don't recall Jake Tapper even insinuating that these people who were occupying the job zone in Seattle last year were domestic terrorists. Was that an insurrection? Occupying a police precinct? Make that argument. In the name of a political idea, huh? Are you sure you want to go down that road, Jake? Or you just don't want to make the comparison? You just don't want to have a consistent definition here because of the network you're on, because of your audience. God, it all comes full circle, doesn't it? Your terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. We've heard this a million times. Our patriots are another man's terrorist back in the American Revolution. Che Guevara, terrorist to Batista. Kennedy and Eisenhower, whoever was in office then. Right, well, they're freedom fighters to the, to the faithful. This is propaganda's peculiar perception effect, depending upon where you're at. You're either a rioter or a protester. Depends on whether or not you see the cause as worthy or you have an identity attached to it. Never was that on display more than last week. It continues to be on display. This is interesting to me. Van Jones was the first I heard to ask this question. Is this the end of something or the beginning of something? Maybe for about a day and a half. I had a degree of hope that this was going to be rock bottom, that this was going to wake people up. This was going to wake up all but the most lost and drunk of the right-wing extremists, at least the sensible ones, the politicians, they would be renouncing Trump. They, they started to. We may have a legitimate impeachment here. We may actually have the 25th Amendment. It's possible that it could be invoked here, right? A lot of people did renounce him. They came back in and they finished the job. We all saw that on Wednesday. I thought maybe this was a moment that we've hit rock bottom and we can finally start to lick our wounds, let our institutions work once again, start seeing each other not quite as enemies, but as eh, testy cousins once again. I had that for about a day and a half. As long gone now. We're where we are as a country because we are a nation of willfully ignorant informational consumers. Paths to empathy be damned. Never have I been in my life sickened at having my instincts confirmed like I was last week. Never. New experience for me. And people keep asking, is it Trumpism's death spasm? Or the convulsions and contractions that are signifying the birth of something even more hideous? said numerous times on this show, Trump isn't as bad as it can get. We thought Bush was as bad as it could get 20 years ago. Remember? It can get much worse. Is this the birth of that? What we saw in the streets, what we're seeing over on Parler, what we're seeing in these, these isolated, just wacko echo chambers. This is just taking one side into account as well. Enjoy this while you can, Woke Flake. I'm telling you. If you're a betting man, you bet on a lot of things in Vegas. You can bet on baseball in Vegas now. Go figure. Uh, put your money on something more hideous. The left's self-righteous moral certitude is well on its way to being cranked up to 11 as we speak. And who's going to be left to argue with them now? 
now that any anti-woke flake dissent can be blamed on the nonsensical and seditionist ravings of an insurrectionist sympathizer. You a Trumper? Thanks for that. This is how you pay me back for all my kind, unselfish, loving deeds. Ha! Well, you just wait. They'll find you yet. And when they do, they'll put you in the ASPCA, you mangy mutt. And they're coming to take me away. Ha ha. They're coming to take me away. Ho ho. He he. Ha ha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. And I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats. And they're coming to take me away. I said, back in, uh, right after the election, right after Trump's election, told one of my old uh, debating buddies that uh, once Trump was elected, all he had to do, he's a conservative. He's on parlor now. He's, he's, he's off the reservation. I told him that all you have to do now is not do anything stupid. Don't be crazy. Don't be nuts, Trumper. The only thing you have to do to ensure that Trump gets reelected in 2020, remember this is 2016, I told him just don't be stupid. Don't be nutty. Because the left is going to be so beside themselves that they're going to radicalize like you've never seen over the next four years. And they did. That's exactly what they did. Had they been able to, I'm talking about the Trump supporters, and Trump himself, had they been able to keep themselves within the guide rails of reason, reasonability, the way the left radicalized over the last four years, he would have been able to walk to re-election. Now, this doesn't take COVID into account or anything like that, but he would have been. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe had they stayed sensible and just let the leftists go nuts and just let the leftists go crazy doing what lefties do and have been able to uh, cakewalk to re-election. But they couldn't do that. They could not do that. Trump, social media, whatever it is, I don't know. But now we're going to see, think about this. Think about this. Biden gets inaugurated next week. Now we almost certainly get to see the right-wing version of that. As we move into the Biden administration, think how far it's gone in the last four years. Now they're not in power. Now they're really pissed. Now they have something to fight against. They have some evil in charge. We just saw the first yeah, contraction of this birth, I think, last week. Still available for children's parties if you if you need a performer. I'll try not to make him cry. What else? Yeah, more on here. Yeah, whatever. Now, something very significant did happen over the weekend. About three and a half years too late, Twitter decided to permanently suspend Donald Trump from the platform. 80 million followers. This is his primary, or was his primary, means of communication with his base and with his followers. It's not only Twitter. Facebook is banned him. Instagram is banned him. Parler, the entire platform, is dark as I speak. Amazon Web Services told him to get lost. A violation of terms, inciting violence. 
So this is another wild card here. How is Trump going to be able to communicate with his base? If these big tech companies decide to clamp down on him the way they did Alex Jones, well, what's he going to do? Go back to television, I suppose, right? If that's better than, you know, being able to ping everybody in their pocket. You know, it's the, the Joseph Goebbels wet dream thing that I talked about in another episode. Where if you have to actually get in front of a television to get your daily morsel from Donald Trump, that's a hell of a lot better than having it in your front pocket 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right? I think so. It makes me a little uncomfortable about uh, how tech companies are becoming the default gatekeepers. I, I don't really know quite 100% where I stand. I support what happened to Parler. I support deplatforming Trump. But I don't know where we're going with this. I, I kind of do, I think. I think I talked about this and I might have... The gatekeepers are coming back. But are they gatekeepers? Do you trust these gatekeepers? This is different than it was 20 years ago when you had to you know, get a job in television to be able to go on TV and rant and rave, or you had to get a job in radio. You had to worry about your FCC license. It's not the same thing as it was 20, 25 years ago. We've gotten used to having all of these broadcast devices and these broadcast platforms on demand. We've kind of associated being a broadcaster with the First Amendment. We're not all entitled to our own radio and television station, and we weren't all entitled to that 25 years ago. But now we think that we are entitled to have all of these devices to be able to share our wisdom with the world on demand anytime we want. We think that's part of free speech. We think that's part of the First Amendment. Is it? Is it really? No. The government isn't doing anything. The government isn't stifling Donald Trump's free speech. Not stifling parlor. These are tech companies doing it themselves on their own platforms. Privately owned companies with their own privately crafted terms of service. They can do this to anybody they choose. It's not the government doing it. But as we move forward, I don't know how comfortable I am with Silicon Valley becoming the arbiter of acceptable speech. Liberals are all you know, happy about it today because it's, it's going against them, but it could easily come back and get you. I don't know. But again, it always comes back to, it's the people. We did this to ourselves. We weren't ready for this technology. We didn't appreciate the power of it. We didn't appreciate what we were doing to ourselves. We still don't appreciate that. I've used this quote before. This is a Walter Lippmann thing. Uh, public philosophy, maybe. I forget where it's from, but this is perfect. It applies, I think, I think, to social media in general. That the gatekeepers may have to really clamp down on this, and I, I do know where I stand on it. I've said it before. I'd like to see it all shut down until we can figure out a way to moderate it, until we can figure out a way to license it. Everybody who gets a social media account I'd like to see them licensed. I'd like to see them have to use their real name, have their address on file. So there's some sort of personal accountability with what you post and what you say. And if you incite violence, there is a repercussion. There is accountability there. 
Or if you post bullshit or disinformation that you get strikes and marks against your account, against your license, and eventually have it suspended or revoked. I'd like to see social media accounts treated like broadcast licenses. Even this. A procedure or a pathway where we'd have to go get a license to do a podcast. Have it regulated. We have to. We cannot handle the informational anarchy. We cannot handle wandering and running around in the informational jungle. We do not have the self-control. We do not have the responsibility, the sense of responsibility required to maintain a state of free speech. It's obvious. And Walter Lippmann, brilliant writer that he is, nailed this. In this quote, he says, But when the chaff of silliness, baseness, and deception is so voluminous that it submerges the kernels of truth, freedom of speech may produce such frivolity or such mischief that it cannot be preserved against the demand for a restoration of order or of decency. I'll stop down here. That's exactly what we're seeing in response to last week. A demand for restoration of order or of decency. He says that if there is a dividing line between liberty and license, it is where freedom of speech is no longer respected as a procedure of the truth and becomes of the unrestricted right to exploit the ignorance and to incite the passions of the people. Exploit the ignorance and to incite the passions of the people. Hmm. Then freedom is such a hullabaloo of sophistry, propaganda, special pleading, lobbying, and salesmanship that it is difficult to remember why freedom of speech is worth the pain and trouble of defending it. That is the one thing I posted to Parler. I hashtagged it, it's the people. This may be just the beginning. It really might be. I have um, episodes back there. I'll probably have to go find them. Find the, maybe I'll find the, the uh, notes that I worked off of. But at some point I was saying, yeah, you know, you can have this. You can start going at each other. But either way, it ends up in tyranny. It ends up in, in, in some sort of a, a totalitarian state because at some point you either have civil war or the state has to crack down to prevent it or quell it. Maybe that's what we're seeing right now is the state kind of partnering with Silicon Valley to quell one side or one faction because it's gotten out of control. It's not surprising, is it? Are you shocked and stunned by this? You know, CNN has this thing on Abraham Lincoln coming up. I don't even know what it is, but they've been uh, running this this line from him. Uh, Abraham Lincoln's, we must not lose affection, our affection for each other, that we can't stop loving each other as countrymen, essentially. We can't be enemies, right? And it got me to thinking about agitation and likability. It also got me to thinking about that, can I believe this thing? That all you have to do to demonize someone is to make them unlikable via agitation. 
In other words, if you don't like someone, it's real easy for someone else to come in and demonize that person to you. And once you're in that state, the want to believe something takes over. So the obvious example here is you've got a bunch of people that have been agitated and agitated and agitated, lathered up by the, you know, the commies and the radical socialists who want to come over and take over your country, right? Makes it real easy to demonize those folks if that's all they're getting in their echo chamber. It's not ideologically specific. It's not only targeted at one side. The same thing's happening to liberals with conservatives. They're all racists. They're all white supremacists. The want to believe takes over. Doesn't matter if it's rational. And then depending upon the personal perspective, you can either tell someone anything or you can tell that person absolutely nothing. Depending upon the personal perspective, depending upon how they feel about you or the person you're talking about or the group of people you're talking about. You can sell them anything or you can't sell them a fucking thing. Make them believe anything, make them believe nothing. The entire media complex has monetized that. And Jake Tapper... His repetition of domestic terrorists sounds as overused and redundant now as Hannity's radical socialist. It hits my ear the same way. He keeps saying it over and over and over again. Domestic terrorists, domestic terrorists, radical socialists, radical... It sounds identical to me. It's almost like there are drinks attached to how often he can say insurgents. And that plays into the narrative theme. This is such a huge theme. I've talked a lot about narratives on this show already. A lot. I know I have. Over the last six weeks while I was off during December, it's taken on even more of significance because I think that when it comes to propaganda, social media disease, how it interacts with politics, how it interacts with just everything I think that we're talking about here, most of this comes back to narratives. And the story in your head, story in our head, and how those things are not the same and usually not tethered to reality. (laughs) Non sequitur alert, but it, it really isn't. Have you ever heard of simulation theory? It's basically the idea that we're living in a video game, kind of like the Matrix, but that we're characters. Somebody's playing in a video game. There's this whole thing, man. It's great. And it's based on, uh, it's not as crazy as it sounds. In fact, I think it's going to become my uh, eventual religion. Yeah, we'll leave that there for now. But one of the things it's based on is quantum theory, quantum mechanics, quantum physics. <laughs> that uh, uh, nothing's really decided until it's observed. It is some, if you're not familiar with this, if you're not, you know, don't let me try to explain it to you. Go f- you know, get, get a better uh, a teacher than me. Uh, but what that boils down to is that um, the reality of the world is up to observation. I hate that I'm saying this. I hate that I'm saying this because this has long been a foundational, a foundational belief of mine that we have our perceptions and there's an external reality. There has never been anything more self-evident to me in my life. And I have to rethink this. I have to rethink it. Or at least consider rethinking it. Again, I know it's confusing. I know I'm not doing this justice and I know I'm kind of, you know, and I'm not exactly 
showing off my powers of articulation when I talk about it. But the reason I bring this up is because that that perception and that 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 attitude that how you perceive someone affecting your internal psychological reality of a situation. It explains everything perfectly about what happened on Wednesday because these folks have internalized everything that they're seeing in their social media feeds. To them, that is reality, that the election was stolen from them. Where the rest of us, it seems ridiculous. How, pray tell, do you synthesize those two things? How do you come to an agreement when that is just as real in their minds as the reality we're experiencing now is in ours? They're just as certain, if not more certain, than we are. Could we have our minds changed? If not, how can we expect to change theirs? And if that's the case, if we actually have these two competing realities, what happens? I think we're going to find out. I think that last week, sadly, was the first indication, first confirmation of what's coming. Again, I have never been more sickened by having my instincts confirmed than I was last week. Because if I've been accurate up to that point, I shudder to think what's coming. But again, I don't see any other way around this. I don't see any other indication that anybody cares. Anybody has any concern about questioning their information streams, their data streams their own perceptions, their own biases. I've had some conversations with a couple of different people last, I don't know, year about uh, things like uh, contempt for the listener. You're so angry, Todd. comes out as contempt. I sound like I'm angry with you. I'm yelling at you. I'm scolding the listener, people who are listening to my show. And that's why. Because I don't see any indications here that there are enough people even paying any attention at all to their own responsibility and their own participation in what's coming. Just blaming. And it frustrates me. (laughs) And I scold them. I chastise them. I pretend they're listening to me even though I know they're not. Beyond a couple of people, I really don't know who listens to this show anymore. Since I've gotten off of social media, I have no idea. (laughs) Hi there. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you have an interest in this material. I really do. But having an interest in it isn't enough. And again, if you're new, there's no sausage party hope coming. I'm not going to fly in on a pink unicorn, take you to Shangri-La. This isn't any more of a happy fluffy little subject than it was a year ago. In fact, I think it just got a whole lot worse. Here we are. This episode was a clusterfuck. I know it was. Feels that way anyway. All over the place. I've got... (laughs) Take your shot. I got so much material. I do. Uh, I can't quit watching this stuff. I can't quit watching what's going on. I can't turn the damn television off long enough to just sit down and put something together. I probably should have uh, 
considered waiting until after Sunday or maybe after the inauguration to start putting stuff together a little bit more. I think we got about another 10 days. January 21st. I think we'll have a really good idea by then. At least a better idea. We're all this is going. It's still new right now. Escaping the Caves, the name of the podcast, escapingthecave.com. That's my website. Got a sub stack over there. Tonzilla X. I so. <laughs> Forgot. <laughs> Fuck Twitter. You don't need the Facebook page. Unless you really want to go find it, knock yourself out. Thanks for clicking in. I'm Todd on Vapor.